Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Today is Monday, August the 30th, and we gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and continue to connect the dots to Jesus from the Old Testament in Hebrews chapter 11. We continue to study this great faith chapter, and where we left off was kind of on a cliff. We get to verse 28, and it talks about the Passover, and the destroyer is destroyed, and the firstborn, all this would happen, and we're kind of like, okay, so what does that mean? Well, today, hopefully, we are able to move forward and to see not only faith, but the way the, the, the Lord works in our lives, knowing that their witness of the patriarchs and matriarchs still speak to us today. But the point of it all is that the Son is still speaking to us as he speaks to us as we study his word. The gifts are ready, ready for you. A special thanks to our friends from Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us be strengthened by God's word, we have the joy of having with us Pastor Sean Cum of Christ the King Lutheran Church in Cody, Wyoming. Pastor Cum, welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you so very much. Excellent time to be here. Absolutely. It is, uh, the other day I had a guest, on Thursday I had a guest that said, it is a great day, it is a great time to be a Christian. And I thought that was such a wonderful way to say it, because how often we, we're like, you know, I don't know if it is a good time, but it is because as we see the patriarchs and matriarchs in chapter 11, it is a true reality for us, and that's our hope. But before we get to that, Pastor, this is our first time together, um, and you've been on Thy Strong Word, you've been on KFUO, you've done all those things, but this is our first time together. So can you introduce yourself, your family, and the work of the saints at Christ the King? Surely. I'm a graduate of Concordia Seminary, St. Louis, long ago, it seems like now. Okay. And I've been in Cody for five years. Christ the King. Um, Cody, if you've not been here, I would invite you to um, visit Cody. Um, we're a tourist town on the edge of the east entrance of Yellowstone National Park. Mm. May I suggest that people make their reservations early? <laughs> um, town fills up pretty fast. And you may visit our website. Um, we have a page that gives you links to find places um, to stay. Please don't call the church. We're not realtors or campsites. We're not. We're not a travel agency. Please, <laughs> but we provide a page on our website to try to help people do that. Um, it's a wonderful place in Northwest Wyoming, and the people of Christ the King are amazing saints and sinners. Hopefully, more amazing in the saint part than the center part. Um, I have a wife, Barbie. We've been married more than three decades now. Two children, daughter who um, teaches high school Spanish, Alexandra, and my son, Nikolai, who is now, as of yesterday, a junior in high school. Wonderful. And I think a pretty good saxophonist. Hey. But, um, yeah. Get him, yeah. Get him into the so jazz. Anyway. Is he in jazz band? He is in jazz band. That way. Yep. That's wonderful. That Against wonderful. his will in marching bands, but he's in <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I, I sympathize with them. I didn't like marching band that much either, but that was usually, um, well, I was just, I had, I had issues, I guess you would say in those days, but what a joy to hear of your family and the service where yep. you are. And, and, and this is always a joy for us. First of all, you're my first guest from Wyoming. So I am able, ah. I've, I've been putting down uh, little pins on a map to show all the guests I've had from around the country and the world, actually, but sure. around the country. And so today, after we're done, I'm going to be able to put a mark on Cody, um, Wyoming. And I had no idea that you were that close to Montana, Idaho, Yellowstone. As I was looking at it, I was like, wow, that is a prime spot um, as people travel through. So um, it is it is a joy to have you with us. And at the same time, it's a good reminder to our listeners that the ministry that happens around the country and around the world is always unique because how it is here in Sartell or where you are is different than Cody because people don't yeah. come to Sartell um, and have a problem finding a hotel room. That's not the issue there. But the ministry is yeah. the same thing, same same faith that we talk about today and the, and the promises of, of our Lord and the Messiah and the same sacraments, the same gospel, same everything, but a whole different context, which is so much fun to yep. hear. Yep. So thank you for sharing that, Pastor. Today, as we are about to begin studying the scriptures, Pastor, can you begin our time in prayer? I would love to. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, as you sent your spirit and your word out into the world, we thank you that faith was created in sinners' hearts, people who were lost and would only have been condemned for all eternity were it not for your precious word and work of your spirit. We thank you that the gift of faith was given to the people that we will study today, that we look to in the past for strength and also for perseverance in the faith today. We thank you for the saints that surround us. We give you thanks that you have called them home and that they are safely in heaven. And we look forward to the day when we also join them around the throne of the Lamb, who is Christ our Savior, and whose name we proclaim and believe in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love how you how you pointed us back. And for me, as we look at this, I think back to, I love reading history, church histories, uh, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod history, um, American Lutheran history, and I'm always amazed that you hear the stories of what people did in faith uh, to start a church, to uh, raise their, their families um, in, in faith, uh, to all, just all the stories, the buildings, the, the altar guilds, the, you know, the Lutheran Layman's League, all these, all these different stories. And I love hearing those, and that's why I love chapter 11, is because it brings us back to, to uh, well, even further, and even, I won't say greater is the right word, but the people that we hold up very highly in the realm of faith and puts us at that same level. So, Pastor, as we come to the end of chapter 11, there's a lot of ground we covered in the first 28 verses. How do you want to start us off so we can start off on the right foot as we end chapter 11? Well, the first part of chapter 11 has um, some big-name people, and the writer of Hebrews devotes um, quite a bit of space, verses, to um, Abel, mm-hmm. for instance, and a lot of prints about Abraham, and rightly so, Moses, which then takes us up to the beginning of today's um, study, 
but it's a little bit like a snowball, I suppose, rolling down the hill, because then all of a sudden, after we wrap up the Israelites in the Red Sea, then we're in Jericho, and then we get um, name after name after name of God's people and situation um, of situations of persecution, and um, it really goes, uh, it, it really snowballs. I mean, there's just, there's all of a sudden at the last part of the chapter, um, there is so much um, crammed into it, just piling on top of one another, which is really a lot of fun. It's very delightful to read it and enjoy it, but there's so much to unpack. Yeah, we, we definitely have struggled to get through all the verses each time we've gone through, even though I separated it into three um, for our study for this, and still mm-hmm. it's a struggle to be able to get through all the verses. And I love how you said that, yeah. because it is like, okay, here's Abel, which, you know, on the whole spectrum of Scripture, is a very short person. I mean, as far as the number of verses yep. we have, and then you get to Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David and Samuel, and it's just like a brrrr. <laughs> and I'll, okay, they're done, yeah. you know. So it definitely is a, a very rich understanding of where we are. And it talks a lot about faith. Pastor, I want, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. If someone were to sure. come to you and, like, you're confirmand or people that are traveling mm-hmm. through on the way to Yellowstone and they, they're struggling with faith and you say, Pastor, what is faith? How would you describe it or define it or uh, talk to them about that? What is faith, especially what we hear today in, in chapter 11? Excellent, excellent question. And, of course, there's this refrain throughout chapter 11, by faith, by faith, by faith, this person, next person, next person. And so we might be, um, we might, ref- we, we might um, confine our, our view of that is that by faith only has one meaning at that moment, mm. um, and that it's something that's, let's say it's Abel or Abraham or Gideon or Jephthah by faith, they did this. But I think we, we have to view here faith as a two-sided coin. Americans were good at this. Mm-hmm. And what is well known from the moment we're baptized is that we are justified and we're sanctified at the same time. But justification always happens first. And it's a little bit like looking at a nickel or a dime. Um, and we're prone to do this. If you got a two-sided coin, you can't have a one-sided coin, I guess. That would be, yeah, that doesn't make sense. But a two-sided coin, and we're always going to look at the head first, the side with the face. And we're going to look at faith by faith in terms of where did that faith come from? Who gives that faith? How strong is that gift of faith? What is that faith in? And we could say that that's the objective faith side, by faith. By faith, you and I are saved by the work of Christ, Jesus upon the cross, the forgiveness of our sins. And as I mentioned in my prayer, we only have faith because of the Word of God and the work of the the Holy Spirit. Um, On the other side of the coin, though, we have what is faith do by faith Abel and then we get this description by faith Abraham and then we get this narrative by faith Gideon by faith Rahab um, that's probably the part that we we tend to jump to 
But it is the other side then, the action of faith, the sanctification. What is this gift of faith going to do? And, you know, that's, that's if I, I can beg and borrow from James, um, so also by faith, it does not have works. If it does not have works, it, it's dead. Faith is dead. So that faith that you and I have been given, and freely, wonderfully so, now, let's, let's look at what that faith does. And so the author of Hebrews takes us back to the Old Testament and says, by faith, not that this, these people just, I can use a Wyoming reference, I suppose, pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps <laughs> okay. um, with faith, that they, they came up with all of this their own. Because as also we read about every single one of them, they were not only saints, but they were stinking sinners, each and every one of them. And their faith faltered at times. They stumbled big time, every single one of them. And yet, by faith, they persevered through the faith. They defended God's people. Um, they advanced the Christian faith, um, faith with its object in Jesus. So that by faith phrase that begins all of these, uh, all of these sections really is that two-sided coin. By faith, that gift that was given to them. By faith, what happened with that gift of faith in their lives. That's hopefully that helped. That's very helpful. That's very helpful because you could definitely misquote that two sides of the coin. Well, it could be this, could be that, but it really brings it together beautifully. That this is what faith is, and this is what happens in faith, and 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 especially when you see in chapter eleven in verse six, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. And it, yep. you know, that's a, a very important piece that you emphasized. I love in the um, the Augsburg Confession in Article 20 about faith. It, it quotes Hebrews 11.1, 1, which we've talked about on this program. And it says that faith is not only a matter of a historical knowledge, but a matter of having confidence in God to receive his promise, which I thought was a great, um, a great way for us to continue to think about faith, is to have confidence that this is true. Um, and the only way that happens, as you said, is by the Holy Spirit and the Word. So it's it's very simple, but it's incredibly, um, uh, it's, it's hard to understand as well. Um, how would, what are yes. your thoughts? Oh, it, it, it is, and it has to be, it can be articulated very clearly and very simply, but you don't want to fall off either side. You don't want to talk about by faith, faith as I have this gift, it's free, God did the work, praise him, and then that's it. <laughs> Nor do you want to say by faith, I can do these good things and these things save me. These things are awesome. They're great. And forget where anything that is good that comes out of us. And I suppose that just takes us back to the sheep and the goats. Absolutely. <laughs> that, that, the sheep, we, we don't even know what we're doing, right? right. And in the writer of Hebrews then um, looked in the rearview mirror of of the, the Old Testament and says with objectivity now we can look back in the past and this is what we see. They didn't even see it. They didn't even see it, but perhaps, but this is what we see. This is the evidence of the faith that they were given and praise God that he sustained the good news, the gospel, the promised Messiah, the coming of Jesus. He preserved that which only creates faith 
by the actions of these people to sustain that faith. Oh, wonderful. So let's dig into this because it that captures everything we have from verses 1 through 28 of chapter 11. And now it goes beyond that to our um, our beloved Israelites and, and Jericho and Rahab and so forth. So verses 29 through 31, we hear... We hear the words, a reminder to our listeners, we are reading from the English Standard Version. By faith, the author writes, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Now, Pastor, it is it, it still fascinates me in this of who he highlights um, and the simplicity of how he highlights. How would you see this? He wraps up the faith comments in chapter eleven with these few verses. What is he saying? Well, well, certainly, um, verse twenty nine is a carryover from from the first part of chapter eleven, which someone else is taking care of. <laughs> But and that's perfectly fine. I can't imagine trying to take on all of chapter eleven no. um, on a radio program. But verse twenty nine very much summarizes um, everything else that has been said. How does it end up? And, and real, realizing this is the way it's given to us in the English. Um, but the enemies, they're drowned by faith. The people, God's people, they cross the Red Sea on dry land, and. Um, they get on the other side. The enemies, they're drowned, which is a wonderful reminder to you and me that when we are being pursued by God's enemies and our own enemies, wherever and whoever they may be at the time, sometimes within sight of us, oftentimes outside of us, um, we will end up on the dry land. We will end up on the shores of, of heaven and the enemies will be drowned. And so, you know, the writer of Hebrews, he, he wraps that up, um, and of course, with um, a very common allusion to baptism then, which, you know, Paul picks up on, too. Mm-hmm. And um, also, um, Psalm 136, which I find quite fascinating, Psalm 136, that does something quite similar as Hebrews 11 does, where we get this history lesson through Psalm 136, and the continual refrain there is, for a steadfast love endures forever. For a steadfast love endures forever. And the writer of uh, Psalm 136 um, says, To him who divided the Red Sea in two and made Israel pass through the midst of it, but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. There we go. For a steadfast love endures forever. Very same um, account in the Old Testament, and so it is even turned into song in in the old testament and uh, the writer of hebrews says okay we can go with that um of course under the inspiration of the holy spirit <laughs> you know <clears throat> it is it is interesting i i'm looking at psalm 136 and i invite you our listeners to look at psalm 136 as well and you're exactly right it definitely the author would have had psalm 136 probably on his heart and his lips as he was writing these words and to continue a refrain of saying his steadfast love endures forever. I mean, that should be our own um, proclamation, right? Each day as we go through our Christian walk. That's, so the distinction 
how would we say this? This is something I've been thinking about a lot, and I want your thoughts on it, Pastor, is by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea on dry land. So the, the Israelites passed by faith, and would we then say that the Egyptians did not go into that same area in faith? Is that how we would, would we be able to say those words or not? Oh, sure we can. I mean, yeah. they, they have no saving faith, um, the Egyptians. You know, Pharaoh has hardened his heart, hardened his heart, hardened his heart, hardened his heart, to the point then, um, if I can quote C.S. Lewis in this matter, um, God says, Pharaoh, you want your heart hardened, because we get to that point where, you know, God says, God hardened Pharaoh's heart, and that gets people all in a dither. Like, no, God says to Pharaoh's, I will be done. You want your, you want it that way? All right. And, of course, Pharaoh is in the position that he, he, he should take Moses seriously and everything that's unfolded before his eyes and tell the soldiers and everyone else in Egypt, you know, maybe we should do something a little bit different here. Maybe we should believe in only one God. Mm. Um, Moses seems to be onto something. <laughs> right, yeah. And so, you know, Pharaoh and his armies, they go into the Red Sea not in faith. They go as as enemies. Their, their faith is in a false god, false gods. And that doesn't really work out real well for them. No. In the end, judgment comes upon them. And that doesn't mean that the Israelites aren't a little... I mean, they're, they're weak, standing on the edge of the Red Sea. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Moses, help us. And, you know, the sea parts. And he says, all right, folks, here we go. And I love how he and, he incorporates the the story of Joshua and, and you know, the, the um, and Jericho yes. going around seven times yes. and Rahab because I can't say this, thus says the Lord, but just imagine people who are at least were with Joshua and they go around seven times and there's got to be people on that whole parade who's like, what are we doing? This is a joke, right? I mean, God said so, yeah. but I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, kind of like your son do a marching band, maybe. Um, kind of like, well, yeah. this isn't yeah. where I want to be, but I have to. And at the same time, Rahab, the prostitute, who knows if she, she allowed that to happen? Like, oh, I, I can't wait. In faith, I'm doing this with, with boldness. But she did it and maybe just did it and said, you know what? I think this is what I need to do. And so all these things show us not people who are proclaimed as they have this great faith and they never doubted once, but they're weak and broken people just like you and I, just like all of you, our listeners, who sometimes we, we, we walk in faith, but we're not necessarily strong and bold in that faith. But yet our Lord still sustains us. Any, any thoughts on, on that and faith? Sure. You know, in Joshua 6 um, with Jericho and, and the writer of Hebrews, um, so our appearance does this out of order because we get Jericho, the fall of Jericho in Joshua 6, and then we get Rahab from Joshua 2. Um, but to, to all appearances, the people of Israel and Joshua, they're just bonkers. They're just nuts. I mean, what is this whole marching around stuff? You know, I mean, seriously? Seriously. You know, and the people in Jericho, I mean, we can last this out. I mean, all they do is run around in circles. Um and yet, you know, as, as God's people, we are asked and end up sometimes doing some, when they appear to the world, be insignificant or totally out of the ordinary. Mm. Totally out of the ordinary. And we see that in the sacraments, too. Baptisms, Lord's Supper, words of absolution. You know, what? what what's this in, insignificant, unimportant stuff? God does amazing things through the ordinary things, including, including an army just trotting around the city walls. Um, several times, and on the last day they do it a few more, and then it all comes tumbling down. 
It does. And within that city then, um, when we get to Rahab, within that city is this one woman and her family, we find out, that is uh, does have faith in a city where everyone else is an unbeliever. There is one, and, and it's so amazing that this prostitute and her family believe that what has been told her, that judgment's coming upon Jericho, that um, it's coming, and there's a way of escape, which is only through the true God and the promise of the Messiah, of the Savior. And um, she and her family are spared. And she's in for a surprise, too, in her family tree as it unfolds. (laughs) Absolutely. um, Who who would have thought that was coming, right? (laughs) And with with Rahab also, um, you know, the criticism that comes to Jesus is that he does what? Um, That he spends time with whom? tax collectors, sinners. And um, in Matthew 21, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. Mm. And when we look back then in Joshua 2 and Joshua 6, we see that a prostitute is actually grafted into the family tree of Jesus. It is. It is incomprehensible. That's one of the words that I think Hebrews it really is. It's incomprehensible. It talks about the heavenly glory. It talks about Jesus being a high priest. He's greater than Moses. That And then it highlights something like this, that here's Rahab, a prostitute, in faith, you know, believes the promise of the one true God, Yahweh, and she believes it. And then from that, the most broken of brokenness, comes this lineage to Christ, which obviously he becomes broken for us. I mean, it's incomprehensible, the depth of grace and love that our Lord shows to all people. Um, And he just calls us to faith. And it's so simple, but yet, once again, um, incredibly complex, and but glorious at the same time. So any last thoughts? I mean, we kind of get past the the faith portion of chapter 11. I want to make sure we're all on the same page in these verse 31 verses. Um. It's it's quite fascinating to go from the Israelites crossing the Red Sea um, to Jericho. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a few decades of time missing in there. <laughs> Just a few, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet, I, I read an interesting note that said, 40 years in the desert gives us no special examples of Israel's faith to be cited. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> like... You know, folks, and, and we know that from from Exodus, and as it goes on, you know, the, the fiery serpent and the grumbling and the complaining and the doubting, um, and, and, you know, the writer, he was like, we're, no, there's nothing there. But also, as we see even in the Gospels, you know, the two times Jesus commends people for their faith, they're both Gentiles. Mm-hmm. He never commends the, the disciples for their faith. In fact, he says, you know, actually kind of little folks, guys, um, <laughs> yeah. that he commends two Gentiles for their faith. And we see that actually here in the Old Testament with Rahab. Her faith is commended. She's a Gentile and a prostitute. Oh, my goodness. Who saw that coming? And in the most amazing way, God does his work. 
Well, right now, I have to chew on that a little bit, Pastor. That is a very profound (laughs) insight. But right now, good thing we need to take our break. We are studying Hebrews chapter 11 with Pastor Sean Common. We'll be right back. This is the voice of a mother in the faraway country of Georgia, reading to her six-month-old son about Jesus from a Bible storybook written in the Georgian language. The child's Bible was given to her by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, and the Holy Spirit is working powerfully through your support of LHF to make events like these happen every day. Help another family learn of the Savior. Learn how at lhfmissions.org. And welcome back. We are studying Hebrews chapter 11, concluding chapter 11 today with Pastor Sean Cum from Christ the King Lutheran Church in Cody, Wyoming. And Pastor, I think it's good for us to go back to verse 1 of chapter 11 because how you described it is how when Jesus commends faith, for faith is, as it begins our chapter, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And I think... This is what would describe everyone you mentioned that Jesus commends um, and the Old Testament commends is that those who had hope, that, that they, they had hope in the midst of you know, trials and temptations and, and past sins and, and uh, not being part of, quote, the family, everything, they had hope, and the hope was in the Messiah. So I, I love how you um, unpack that and how that how that can relate to today. I mean, what does it mean to have faith? It means to have hope that Christ is going to do exactly what he said. So any last thoughts before we move on to the next piece? Let's, nope, let's move on. we got a lot of ground to cover. <laughs> All right, so let's do this. We're just going to read verse 32, and I want, I want to hear your thoughts, Pastor, on he's writing this to the Jewish—he's preaching this, probably, um, to the Jewish people. And what, what are they thinking about this list that he gives? Verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would, would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets. Now, I wanted to stop there first of all. One, the commentary had talked sure. about how this is probably a sermon. Dr. Kleinig is very adamant that this was like the sermon of sermons, like the author's best sermons all brought into one. So what more shall I say? He's probably just reflecting during his sermon. And that's that could be debated and probably not needed right now. But it's, it's a, he's preaching this. And when they heard this, the list, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, what do you think is going through the people's minds at that point? I'm putting you on the spot there, but what are your, what are your first thoughts? Well, certainly they would uh, have known their Old Testament Sunday school stories probably far better than people do today. Um, We see that with, for instance, Mary, the mother of our Lord, and um, the birth of Samson, you know, and Hannah's song. Um, So, you know, for them, they hear these names, and they're just clicking them off in their head. Yes, I know about Gideon. I know about Brock. I know about Samson. Brock's a little bit of a challenge, but Jephthah, um, there is a heartbreaking story. And David, oh my goodness, you know, volumes. And Samuel, again, how much more is there to say about him? And then there's almost this, et cetera, and the prophets, (laughs) too. Um, And then we can flesh that out in the verses that um, come after that. 
um, the writer of Hebrews gives us some really good clues as to who he's who he's referring to there. But you know, as they hear Gideon, um, all of those all of those people he names Gideon, Brock, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel they were all we would say mighty mighty men. They did really some amazing things, and yet they their lives also were sinful. And there were moments when their faith faltered. There are moments when their faith just crashed and burned. And yet God rose them up again, forgiveness. And their, their, their lives also were, were not without heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Um, Jephthah and David and Samuel in particular, Jephthah and his daughter, David and the death of his son after his adulterous relationship with right. Bathsheba, Samuel's sons, which we tend to not look at at all, what a heartbreaking account that is for a father. Right. Um, their, their, their lives were, were at times shattered and broken also. That is a good point. And I think this is relatable for us today because of how many people in our parish and our own families have walked away from faith. I mean, this is the Samuel. I mean, like you said, I, I get even think about this. This, this is a, an example that I can use in Scripture, that the heartache that is there when we have loved ones who are not faithful to the Lord. And, and here he's going down this list of showing vic- victory. Gideon, obviously. Barak, similar. Samson, in a certain sense, even though it ends in death. Um, but then you have these other ones that end in heartbreak. I mean, you you're like, wow, this is just these are this is not all victorious. This is not, you know, unicorns and rainbows as we would as some people would say in today's world. And and it's so good for us to have that because he uplifts these people because of faith. He doesn't say, oh, by the way, they had lack of faith, therefore they messed up. Um, it was it was a sin, obviously for some David especially, but it was definitely something where he's showing the strongest and the weakest and ultimately showing that they had faith in the one true God. Um, any other thoughts yeah. on that? That There's a lot packed into every single one of those names, um, but any other thoughts? Um, yeah, what else, to, what else to say? I mean, <laughs> each of these men, they're just chapters and chapters, for most of them, of Old Testament account, history, um, blow by blow, Great things, sinful things, except for except for Barack. Um, yeah, that's that's a curious one. We don't we don't get a lot on him. Um, but okay, so he must have been important as a writer of Hebrews in the Holy Spirit's mind right. to um, um, direction to give us him. Which, by the way, is actually a comfort because we don't know hardly anything about him, and yet he gets mentioned. I mean, that's the whole whole part of the Book of Numbers. Yeah. You know, you get all these senses and and also in um, Chronicles and you get name after name. It's like, really, I have to know this. And yet, <laughs> you know, you look at any census of heaven and it's name after name. Look at the church records like, oh, this is so boring. But it reminds us that every single one of these people is precious in the sight of the Lord. And even the people that the writer of of uh, Hebrews mentions are like, huh, who, what? Right. Melchizedek. Obviously, they were important. To, yeah. yeah. Melchizedek yeah. is a classic yeah, example. A good one. <laughs> like three, three verses long, and you don't know anything about him besides he's priest and king, and boom, all of a sudden, he 
they connect them to Jesus. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like you said with Rahab as well. So it, it's it's definitely something. Now, well, let's do this then. We can unpack as the author yep. interprets who they were. So I want to go all the way from 33 to 38 um, to, 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 to read this. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Thankfully, this isn't in the Gospel of John, because how could you end that with, this is the Gospel of the Lord? Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, Pastor, if there's any time that you make it sound like the Christian faith is of those who have only victorious a victorious life, this, the, they have not read these verses. What is he highlighting here? Ah, yeah. Well, uh, certainly um, goes on. To, you know, he goes on to say, "Who through faith conquered kingdoms?" Well, certainly we can see um, David involved in that. If we look backwards at the names that are just mentioned, enforced justice, we can see um, the judges, um, Samson and. Samuel, also prophet, um, obtained promises. Again, that's scattered throughout there. But also the writer of Hebrews is pushing us forward, um, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises. And where does he go with that? Stop the mouths of lions. Well, you know, who's he talking about there? Mm. Obviously, obviously Daniel. And it's the power of fire. And, um, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, mm. you know, escape the edge of the sword. Again, we can go backwards. David and Saul, um, Elisha, Jeremiah. Um, again, there, it, it's interesting in that um, he puts it sort of in that way as the people are hearing that. The, the, the first ones, you get clues like it has to be Daniel. It has to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But also then, um, escape the edge of the sword. Oh my goodness, to go throughout the Old Testament, that covers up. That covers a lot of Old Testament uh, people made strong out of weakness, mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Um, you can just imagine people there, and the, the wheels in their their brains just um, spinning with all kinds of examples. Um, and again, people put in some really tight situations where it really does come down to death or life. Um, and in this part, the, all the people that are named here, they escape. They are delivered. They are delivered. Now we're going to get to the other part where some are not. Mm-hmm. But um, this gives us courage, gives us hope, um, fortitude of faith, shall we put it that way? Right, right. Perseverance, the perseverance of the saints we will often talk about. And verse 35 is, is interesting. 
women receive back their dead by resurrection. You know, we can't help but think of different resurrection accounts of Jesus. Um, I'm trying to think of this in the Old Testament realm. Would we, I'm not going to put you on the spot on that one, but I just was thinking about well, that. Go ahead. Yeah, so resurrection in the Old Testament? Sure. Elijah, the widow of Zarephath, oh. Oh, there and you her go. son, yeah. 1 yeah. Kings 17. Um, we have Elisha and the uh, Shunammite woman and oh, course, her son. And then there's the third one that nobody ever thinks about. My favorite resurrection account in the Old Testament is uh, Elisha's bones. Only a couple verses. Oh, my And uh, this guy's died, and his buddies are hauling him off to the cemetery, and the bad guys come up over the hill, and they toss their dead bot buddy into the cemetery, into this, what, cave, open grave, and uh, he ends up on Elisha's bones. And he, he's he, he's resurrected. He comes back to life, and that's where it stops. I, there's got to be more, and that he comes running after and say, "Wait for me," because the bad guys are still coming over <laughs> oh, the hill. Geez. That's the third resurrection account in the Old Testament, and it is the shortest, but it, it's actually the most wonderful. With even maybe a little bit of humor to the whole thing too. So um, where is that? And, and we're not told if what's the reference to that. Um, let's see. Oh, now I'm, I'm not going to find my posted in my Old Testament because I take my compromise all the time when we get to that part. Um, is it's in First and Second Kings? Ah, it's a, it's a little bit out of the ordinary. Spot. Oh, that's right. I remember um, going through that. But anyway, you go right. ahead. You don't have to listen to me look for that. Yeah, I won't have to. Yeah, we'll figure that out as we go. No. Um, yeah, yeah. But that is so great and it's such a wonderful. Those little snippets, as you said, it doesn't have to be many verses, but yet it points us to that hope we have in Christ. This is the hope of the assurance of faith, what we don't see but yet happened, and it is real for every person. So, Pastor, as we move forward in the last number of verses that we just read, yes. I could not help but think of Paul's letter in Second Corinthians, where he goes through that yeah, whole yeah. laundry list of what he went through. Um, uh, five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one, three times beaten, one stone, three times shipwrecked, all of this. And he, and he just speaks about it for when I'm weak, I am, I am not weak. Yeah. Who is weak when I'm weak? For when I'm weak, I am strong. And, and that language really just, I mean, this is where some people would say, well, it probably was Paul who wrote this or who preached this sermon, but we don't know for sure. <laughs> but it definitely emulates that. What is, what is he saying? At first it's like, yeah, you escaped all this. And the second part, oh, we didn't escape everything, did we? What is he trying to focus on? That, that is excellent, and that we even see this in our Lord Jesus. I mean, it's, it's definitely a part of the theology of the cross, and Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. You know, and maybe on a really, really good day when we're full of ourselves, we say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to take up my cross. Here we go. And yet even our own Lord stumbles on his way to his crucifixion, not out of sin, but the burden is so great for him. You're, you know, you're thinking, is the guy going to make it? Is the Son of God going to make it to the, you know, to be crucified? And it's no different for you and me. Jesus does not rose-color anything, mm-hmm. sugarcoat anything, that the Christian life in this world is going to be tough. As a baptized child of God, it doesn't get easier. In fact, it gets more difficult. But, you know, that takes us to the end um, of the chapter and the beginning of Hebrews, 
that we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. <laughs> there is there is a happy ending to all of this for you and me. Um, but what the, chapter 11 shows us is it's tough. There are battles inside out, enemies inside and out. Um, and with each of these people mentioned in Hebrews 11, for each of them, we could we could also hold our breath at times and say, are they going to make it? Right. Are they going to make it to heaven? You know, to pay, and it's certainly not on their own steam. Absolutely not. And that's where the faith part comes in, right? Mm-hmm. By faith, the gift of faith. It's the only thing that's going to get you there. You're, you're, the object of your faith has to be strong. And if Jesus is the object of your faith, well, then there you go. That's good. And it And it is something where when you look at the names that are listed, it does leave us not only holding our breath, wondering if they're going to make it, but also why them? We had an email from <laughs> one of our listeners, and this and this listener, he, he has such great questions, and this is going to be probably allowed something that we don't know, but he says, why doesn't Ehud, the best judge, get a shout-out? And how come the writer actually <laughs> highlights Barack instead of Deborah? And, well, I think I know the answer you'll say here, but uh, what would be your answer to such questions? You know, we, we – oh, that's a good question. Um, again, it really is a matter, I guess, of the sheep and the goats, mm-hmm. where the sheep say, we don't know that we did these things. We didn't know. And um, – in terms of a teaching tool, a good teacher is going to bring up examples and bits and snippets here that history is forgotten or glosses over because you have the bright, shiny things. And, you know, I'm not, I can't see into the mind of the writer of Hebrews or the Holy Spirit for that matter. <laughs> but if we look at the, this chapter purely as a teaching tool, it is really, really good because you're going to have the big names there. And people are going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know about that. I, you know, I, I got David's life memorized. Um, but then you get to the other parts, like, like Jephthah, or maybe even Rahab, mm-hmm. you know, or Barak, Barak. Well, you know, that makes us inquisitive. We want to know more. And we make wonderful discoveries then. And so, you know, the, why does he skip the 40 years in the desert? <laughs> right, yeah, right. Well, you know what, folks? It was a bunch of complaining and grumbling and moaning. You already know that. Who needs to rehearse that? <laughs> you all did that this morning. Um, so, you know, I guess my, my approach is looking at the, the chapter as how does it teach us, keep us engaged. And um, that, that's the approach I'm going to say. Right, but right. And as it is. I a... can be disagreed with, and that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a deep and uh, hearty, we don't know. And unfortunately, that's yeah. kind of, what did the, what do they say in confirmation now? Um, some of the kids kept hearing me say that. They're like, so, Pastor, how come it's not eight days of creation instead of seven? Or just no. kind of ridiculous <laughs> things, you know, why this, why not that? And I just say, we don't know. So then they started saying, you know, WDK, we don't know. And so the, the acronyms oh, are everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> So, so there's a there's a hearty answer with that, but we we can ask the author once we meet him in heaven, as as you said in your prayer as yeah, well. Yeah. So, Pastor, uh, anything else in those words? It, there's a lot there, but it really shows us the victories and looks at the defeats 
but all of it is in obviously the final victory of our Lord Jesus. So any other thoughts before we get to the last two verses? Um, let me look down here. The last two verses, you mean 39 and 40? Yep. Okay, so let me look. You know, verses 37 mm-hmm. and 38, where we then, um, we get a part of, well, 36 too, mocking, flogging, chains, imprisonment, stones, sawn in two, killed with a sword, skins and sheep and goats, um, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. They, I mean, they are, they are so precious. Um, in what the faith that they've been given and how that faith plays out in their lives. The world does, it's not worthy of them and the world doesn't get it. The world. And of course that takes us to John the Baptist who says mm-hmm. he's unworthy to untie. He's not worthy to untie the sandals of his Lord Jesus. Um, Jesus is the one that is, is, is worthy. Um, and, so, and, and again, the way that the writer of Hebrews has put this before us, Stone gives us Zechariah, Son in two, gives us Isaiah from the Talmud. Um, doesn't mean it didn't happen. It's not recorded in Scripture. Um, Killed with the sword. Oh, my goodness, you have Uriah. Um, yeah. You have uh, skins and sheep of goats. Um, that is fascinating. It takes you to Elijah and the mantle. That he wore um, is known was actually a sheepskin. The mm-hmm. Hebrew behind that, um, Elijah goes about in skin of sheep with his mantle. That was a new one for me. Yeah, um, right. Then the, the rest, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. I mean, where do you stop? And when, by the time you get done with this, it's like, you know what? There's a spot for every one of us in Hebrews 11. Let's finish the last two verses, and I do want yep. to ask one more question that, that will relate to today, 39 and 40. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. That could be easily misinterpreted, Pastor. What is he saying as he wraps up the chapter? That is, <laughs> after you go through this chapter and get to those last two verses, like, really? We had to end this way. You, you had to give us a head scratcher, right? This is, this is tough, right? Exactly, yeah. But, you know, what's the Holy Spirit have up his sleeve in, in all of uh, all of this? Um, though commended, though all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. I, I certainly see that as they did not earn their salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were put to death. They were tortured. They were frightened. They were put in tight spots. But you know what, folks? That didn't even get them to heaven. Their faith was lived out. But you don't earn your faith. You don't. Um, Verse 40, then, since God has provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Um, Which is to say, they should not be made perfect by what they can do. Absolutely not. God provided something better. Which, by the way, then takes you back to the beginning of the chapter. It's not what's seen. Faith is what's unseen. And the gift of faith is what's saved. It's not the actions of faith that save. Although, thank God that we see fruits of the Spirit. And, and so it all ends up being depending on Jesus. And then when we get to the end, um, or at the beginning of your next chapter, chapter right. 12, we find out that they are in heaven. 
surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Ah, now we can breathe a sigh of relief, right? Right. right. These people are in heaven, and that's where we're headed to. Wow. And see, that is, is something in verse 39 that I've always looked at that as that the Messiah had not come yet. Um, mm-hmm. and, yep. and then, and then I, I, don't think, I don't think that contradicts what you said, but it definitely connects us to that. And, but I really appreciate how you said that, you know, works weren't going to get him in because God provided something better. Um, and so there's not yep. something better than the Messiah. That's where that might break down a mm-hmm. little bit. But he definitely shows us that there will be a day of perfection um, and apart from us, not meaning you and I, but apart from, you know, the Christ, you know, part of that uh, Godhead and so forth, we will be made perfect. And then it just, and it lays out Jesus perfectly um, in those next two verses, which is part of the problem of, <laughs> the, part of the problem in Hebrews is because there's always a therefore lurking around every yeah. verse. <laughs> and there it is right there, verse 1 in chapter 12, therefore. Pastor, I do want to ask one more question as to wrap yes, all this together is because what he's speaking of, as I said, is not a perfect Christian life. And and how it speaks is it includes everybody, those who had victory, those who had defeat, those who seemed to really have strong faith, and those who maybe didn't have as strong of faith. But he puts them all in the same plane. For us as Christians, when we go through trials and we go through life and all of that, why is chapter 11 so important to us um, on our walk from cradle until grave? There we see very specific, sometimes rather fleshed out narratives um, and details, but we see significant and what the world would say are insignificant people, and they are hanging on to the promise that Jesus is the Messiah, that he was coming, that he has come. We can see that part now. Although it makes me think of the end of John 8, when Jesus is having his hammer and tongs debate with the Jews, and he says, and Abraham rejoiced when he saw my day. And Hmm. we could, um, I think, say that there's just about everybody in this list, too, everybody in this list. Um, They were hanging on to that promise. Could they see it clearly? Do they know all the details? No, but they had the promises of God. They knew that Messiah was coming. And that's, that's you and me. That's God's, God's people. Are we in the state? Their shoes, too? Their sandals? You bet we are. Mm. Um, as confirmants in our own church body, what are we asked? Um, do you intend to live according to the Word of God and in faith, word, and deed to remain true to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even to death? The response is, I do by the grace of God. You know, and then we're asked, will you suffer all, even death, rather than fall away, forsake this faith by faith? And we say, I do by the grace of God. That's, that's these folks, too, every single one of them. So in, in our confirmation promise, we're, we're, can I put it this way? We're kind of signing up for their club. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like, but, but, but realize what you're getting into here, folks. You could actually die. Your life could be required of you to keep the faith. I think this is powerful. So what a faith it is. And what a faith it yeah. is. And this is powerful for us to think about Hebrews 11 being part of our confirmation process. I'm going to change my whole curriculum now. I'm going to have to change it in the last minute anyways. 
But Pastor, it is time for us to get going. Pastor Sean Come of Christ the King Lutheran Church in Cody, Wyoming, giving us God's strong word from Hebrews chapter 11. Pastor Come, thank you again for being our guest. My pleasure. Thank you. God's blessing. Saints of our Lord, we have hope. Same hope as those before us, that in faith in the Messiah, we know that there are better things, heavenly realities, the age to come, the heavenly homeland, the heavenly city, the unshakable kingdom, the heavenly place of Christ. That is our hope. Although not seen, and though not an easy road, it is all yours in Christ, for he will sustain you. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.